A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Hello everyone and welcome to the Mariner's Mirror podcast. Now, as you know, the podcast comes from both the Society for Nautical Research and the Lloyd's Register Foundation, which allows us to talk about the exciting projects that both of these excellent institutions are up to. Today, we're talking about the Lloyd's Register Foundation's brilliant project, Maritime Innovation in Miniature, which is one of the most exciting maritime heritage projects of recent years. A real leader in terms of innovation in the maritime heritage field. The aim of the project is to film the world's best ship models with the very latest camera equipment. Well, I'm lucky enough to be involved, so in this episode I'm going to give you a first-hand account of the extraordinary things that we have been up to. The idea of the project is simple. Ship models are a hugely underappreciated, undervalued and underexploited resource for engaging large numbers of people with maritime history. The majority of museum quality ship models exist in storage. Those that are on display have little interpretation. Few have any significant online presence at all. None have been preserved on film using modern techniques. These are exquisitely made 3D recreations of the world's most technologically significant vessels, each with significant messages about changing maritime technology and, of course, the safety of seafarers. The ships may no longer survive, but models of them do. This project acknowledges that and celebrates that fact by bringing them to life with modern technology in a way that respects and honours the art of the original model makers and the millions of hours of labour expended to create this unparalleled historical resource. We're doing this by getting the ship models out of their storage. Some are in glass cases on display in galleries and others are in the museum stores. And then we film them in studio conditions. Sometimes we get to work in an actual studio. In other instances, we have to sort of make one around the model if they are too big to move. And then it's a matter of controlling the light, setting up black backdrops and black coverings on the table. Uh, this is fantastic because it makes the model appear to float. And then we film the model using macro and probe lenses. Uh, a probe lens is a type of elongated barrel that attaches to the lens of a camera. 
it offers a unique perspective and extreme close-up shots. So you're able to get up close and personal with your subject whilst maintaining a kind of bug-eyed, wide-angle image. So it's close and it's wide at the same time. And the beauty of this is that it makes these ship models look huge. It's a way of bringing the ships themselves back to life. The project is now into its second year. In its first year, there were three separate filming locations. The first was the National Maritime Museum in London, home of the world's largest ship model collection. The first model we filmed was a stunning diorama of Brunel's mind-bending ship, the Great Eastern. Now, the Great Eastern was built in London between 1854 and 1858. It was one of the most innovative ships in history. And this remarkable diorama shows her under construction at John Scott Russell's shipyard at Millwall on the banks of the Thames in 1857. A true monster ship. She was, at the time, the largest man-made movable object ever built. 210 metres long, she was over twice the length of the largest ships then afloat. And at 17,274 tonnes, she was over five times the weight of her largest predecessors. Now, the model is, it is simply extraordinary, the detail of it. Um, there are little people working on the ship. The yard itself has been recreated. There's even traffic in the Thames as people sail up to watch the ship being built. The second model we filmed was HMS Royal George, a hugely significant first-rate warship from the mid-18th century, a model that was actually built for the king himself. It is, without any question, one of the finest ship models of the 18th century. So the model was built in the 1770s as a means of inspiring King George III to take an interest in his navy. You need to bear in mind that George was the first monarch of the House of Hanover to be born and brought up in England and to speak English as his first language. So the model was an important part of his education as a British king. The ship that it represents, the first-rate Royal George, had actually been built a generation before in 1756 and was actually named after George II, so George III's father. It had been built at a time of great improvement in the Royal Navy, and in particular in the design and construction of the largest and most powerful and most symbolic ships of the fleet, the first-rate ships of the line. She was built at the Royal Dockyard of Woolwich in London over 10 years, and at the time of her launch she was the largest warship in the world. The second location for our filming in 2022 was the archives of the Lloyd's Register Foundation in Woolwich Arsenal, where to bring the theme of maritime innovation right up to date, we filmed a model of a liquefied natural gas carrier, LNG. It's a ship type that is leading the world in making shipping more environmentally friendly. As a cleaner and low-carbon fossil fuel, liquefied natural gas has grown hugely in significance in the past 50 years, and its successful transportation marks a crucial moment in the history of the creation and movement of energy. This was one of my favourite models, because the LNG ships look fantastic. They've got these enormous domes on their deck to contain the LNG. They do look like something out of science fiction. The third location we filmed in 2022 was the Dockyard Museum at Barrow-in-Furness, 
one of my new favourite places. It was once the home of the Barrow Shipbuilding Company and subsequently Vickers and Sons and is now a fantastic museum. Um, unsurprisingly, the Dockyard Museum has an exceptional collection of shipbuilders' models. Many of them are on display. I'd urge you to go and see them. The first that we featured was HMS Vengeance, a battleship launched by Vickers, Sons and Maxim in Barrow and Furness in 1899. Now, her construction was a major innovation in the history of shipbuilding because for the very first time she was the first warship of her kind to be built, engineered, armed and armoured by a single company in a single location. Designed for service in East Asia at a time when the growth of Japanese naval power was a major concern for the British government, she needed to be able to stand up to the power of the Japanese Fuji-class battleships, but she also had to be able to transit the Suez Canal, a vital link in Britain's empire. And that requirement, transiting Suez, led to restrictions in the size and draft of the battleship. So she was immensely powerful, but at the same time was small, light and fast in comparison with previous battleships. An absolutely fascinating moment in naval history and ship design. The second model we filmed at Barrow was RMS Orion, another of my absolute favourites. Um, built by Vickers Armstrong for the Orient Steam Navigation Company and launched in 1934, she was one of the most innovative passenger ships of her age, a landmark in the evolution of the modern liner. She really was a ship of the future. Orion mainly ran on the route between the UK and Australia, but also cruised to destinations like the Scandinavian fjords and the Mediterranean. She was important for several reasons. She was one of the first British liners to have air conditioning. It's a brilliant fact. But even her launch was unique. It was performed remotely by the Duke of Gloucester over the radio from Brisbane in Australia to Barrow in Furness, 12,000 miles away. In our modern world of FaceTime and remote meetings, this may seem simple, but no such launch had ever been attempted before. And it was not just his voice that was transmitted. He actually pressed a button that created an electric charge that was beamed directly to Barrow in Furness from Australia, which triggered the smashing of a bottle onto her hull and the launching triggers released her down the slipway. At the time, this was described as an act of magic, an epoch-making. All of this wonderful material can be found on the Lloyds Register Foundation's Heritage and Education Centre's website. The best thing to do is to just Google Maritime Innovation in Miniature and the project, with all of its fantastic videos and behind-the-scenes footage, will come up. So, as I said, the project's now in its second year, and uh, Lloyd's Register are now currently publishing the ship models we filmed this year, the second year of the project, 2023. The first location was Stockholm. It was a wonderful opportunity to go there. And we went to the National Maritime Museum, um, which is one of the world's greatest maritime museums. It has one of the world's greatest collections of ship models. It also houses a vast collection of drawings, weapons, uniforms, works of art, a huge miscellany of material culture relating to Sweden's fascinating maritime past. I would urge you all to stop what you're doing immediately and book a ticket and go and check it out. Over nearly a century, this museum has collected around 50,000 objects that tell stories of maritime activities, both civilian and military, throughout the ages. The collections have enormous breadth and contain objects of every size, from entire icebreakers to works of art 
and brass buttons. The archives contain thousands of significant documents and include plans and drawings of a wide variety of ships and boats from numerous Swedish naval architects. At the core of the museum's collections are some of Europe's finest ship models, dating from around 1600 onwards, which is very early for a ship model. Among these are unique models commissioned by the famous naval architect Frederick Henrik F. Chapman in the 18th century. Uh, these are huge, large-scale representations built at the same time as the real vessels, and the models were then used for educational purposes. Unusually, the museum is in a purpose-built building designed in 1938 to house Sweden's maritime and naval collections. The original Maritime Museum was in a small building in Gamla Stan, so Stockholm's old town. It was on an island connected by several bridges to the mainland, while a separate naval collection was displayed in a building overlooking the harbour. This new museum was conceived to unite the two pre-existing collections. It was designed in a neoclassical style by Ragnar Osterberg, one of Sweden's most famous architects, and maritime themes run throughout its construction from the door handles to the magnificent sailing ship laid in marble in the museum hallway. Filming in this wonderful place was a great pleasure, as the fantastic curatorial team lent uh, my film crew the use of their purpose-built photography studio for two days, and they worked tirelessly to prepare the models and move them into place to be filmed. Choosing which models to film from such an extraordinary collection was very difficult indeed. On an initial scouting trip, we explored the mighty Vasa, that's the 17th century warship, which sank on its maiden voyage and was rediscovered in the 1950s and raised in the 80s. The Maritime Museum commissioned a fully rigged replica model of her to be made, and it's now displayed alongside the actual warship in the museum. It's a very clever way of helping the audience conceive of the ship in its heyday, so complete with painted sculptures and towering rigging. This would have made a brilliant model to film. We hope to do so in the future, but it posed so many logistical challenges that we moved from the Vasa Museum to the Maritime Museum to explore their astonishing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Collection. Yes, again, however, we were faced with numerous challenges. The museum's ship model collection is not only very large, but also many of the models are huge. Some of the fully rigged sailing ships stand well over seven feet high. They're also beautifully displayed in the contemporary gallery and moving them would have been impossible. And so with the purpose-built photography studio in the basement available, we therefore decided to film models that we could easily get to and from the studio. We eventually settled on four. The Argentina was a 1930s diesel-driven cargo vessel, uh, an unnamed votive ship model from the late Middle Ages that was once hung in Stockholm Cathedral. That's a model of a medieval galleon. The Aeolus, an early 20th century steam passenger ship and an unnamed Swedish East Indiaman. These still pose significant and different logistical challenges, but with careful thought, careful planning and careful carrying and a lot of care, uh, we succeeded in our plan and have given these four ships an entirely new lease of life and a new global audience. They tell a variety of different stories, but all are significant in their own way to global maritime history, as well as the more specific maritime history of Sweden. The Argentina tells us of international maritime innovation, entrepreneurialism and the rapid rise of the South American economy in the 20th century. She was built in Gothenburg and launched in 1935. She was an international freighter designed to carry cargo in bulk and also to offer accommodation to passengers willing to take on one of the longest maritime journeys possible. As her name suggests, she sailed regularly between Northern Europe and South America and tells the story of the growth of international trade in the first half of the 20th century. Argentina was a ship of the Johnson Line, founded in 1904 as a subsidiary of the Swedish investment company Nordstjernen. Nordstjernen was founded in 1890 by Axel Johnson, one of European history's greatest entrepreneurs. He founded a dynasty that still exists today. His original business imported coal and exported iron, and he grew astonishingly wealthy and expanded his interests. By the 1930s, they'd moved into shipping and the company had firmly established itself in international shipping. Nordstjernin was committed to maintaining a competitive edge through constant innovation and in particular became a pioneer in the transition from steam to diesel power for ocean-going cargo vessels. Nordstjernin adopted the new technology and sold its old vessels before its rival shipping companies had even realised what was happening. By the start of the 1920s, Nordstjernin had the world's first diesel-driven ocean-going fleet. The model is astonishing as it has one entire side of the hull cut away, showing how she was crammed with cargo from South America and, interestingly, how little space is taken up by her diesel engine. Her cargo tells us of the huge changes that were brought about in global maritime trade by ships like this in the first half of the 20th century. With the opening of the Panama Canal in 1914, suddenly the far side of the world was more accessible than ever before. New shipping routes opened up and with them endless commercial opportunities. Now ships could sail from Europe to the Pacific coast of North and South America without having to sail around the dangerous Cape Horn. 
so the Panama Canal made maritime trade faster and safer. The model is shown as if she's ready for her return trip from South America. We actually know exactly what she was carrying on her final voyage. Cotton, coffee, rice and oil cakes. It's a massive compressed plant material used as fodder or fertiliser. The cargo hold at the bow was empty, waiting to be loaded, perhaps at her next stop, on a route which took her to Colombia, Ecuador, Peru and Chile. The second was a model of a medieval galleon that dates from the 1590s. It is a votive ship model, meaning that the model was built to be displayed in a church by suspending the vessel from the roof so that it appears to float in the air above the congregation, a practice that was known throughout Christian Europe. The model was probably built between 1590 and 1610, possibly in the Low Countries. Originally, it hung in Stockholm Cathedral. It is the oldest such ship model in Scandinavia. Votive ships were given as gifts by seamen, as a token of gratitude for a safe return from a hazardous voyage. It's a powerful reminder of how dangerous seafaring was, how safety was once secured by faith alone. It was also an important way of keeping the distant maritime world at the forefront of people's daily lives. With the ship on display in such a striking manner, it was much more difficult to ignore the plight of seafarers. Models like this kept lives at sea a hot topic. It's heavily decorated with the most wonderful miniature portraits of characters from Northern Europe at the time and wonderful mythical beasts. This remarkable model tells us about the role of faith in securing maritime safety before surveyors, engineers and maritime classification societies certified the safety of ships. The third model, Aeolus, tells us about the importance of local shipping networks to maritime nations such as Sweden at a time in which steam power was reaching its most efficient. It's widely considered to be one of the world's finest ship models. She's named after Aeolus, son of Hippotes, the keeper of the winds in the Odyssey. She was a Swedish steam passenger ship of 893 tonnes, built in 1884 in Gothenburg for the South Sweden Steamship Company, one of the largest Swedish shipping companies of its time. They operated a wide variety of ships carrying freight and passengers around the world, but primarily operated in the Baltic and North Sea. The Aeolus and her sister ship Zephyr were commissioned in 1884 for the line's new Stockholm-Malmö-Oslo route, but she also sailed to Copenhagen in Denmark, Lübeck in Germany, Riga in Latvia and various Finnish ports. She was successful because she was fast enough to be able to compete with the railways and had ample passenger comforts. The man we must thank for this perfect piece of maritime history is Franz Oskar Carlsson. It took him at least 30,000 hours to build this model, working eight hours a day for 13 years. Every tiny detail is correctly rendered to a scale of 1 to 40. The final model of an unidentified East Indiaman tells us of the role of European shipping companies in the establishment of a global economy and shared cultures. The model was built in the last quarter of the 20th century by Voldemar Conger, an Estonian refugee who escaped to Sweden during the Second World War. Its construction was based on original drawings by the famous naval architect Frederick Henrik F. Chapman, who constructed a number of vessels for the Swedish East India Company. 
This was a period when the science of shipbuilding reached new heights, and Chapman, uniquely a mathematician and a shipwright, led the way. He is considered to be the grandfather of naval architecture. Mathematicians who studied shipbuilding lacked the practical skill to implement their own ideas, while shipwrights lacked the mathematical understanding. The first person who combined these two skills was Frederick F. Chapman. Chapman made it possible to predetermine and assess mathematically different attributes of vessels, such as stability and sailing qualities. By 23, he ran his own shipyard, maintaining and repairing Swedish East Indiamen. The Swedish East India Company had been founded in Gothenburg in 1731. The Swedish were late in joining this wealthy trade, importing silk, tea, furniture and other distinctive and luxury goods from the East. By then, the Dutch East India Company had already been in existence for 129 years and the British East India Company for 131. But now that the Swedes had committed to this trade, they embraced it. The Swedish East India Company swiftly became the largest trading company in Sweden. East Indiamen such as this hold an important position in the history of ship design and innovation. Here is a vessel that linked the two most physically distant and culturally distinct parts of the world together. Now, it was fascinating being able to film these models, being able to get up so close to such wonderful works of art from the past. But one of the key things that makes Sweden's National Maritime Museum stand out above any other is that ever since its opening in 1938, it has its own model-making workshop and a full-time model-maker. The current person in post is Stefan Brun. Now, Stefan has not only personally cared for the historic models in the museum's collection, but also has personally built several models that are now part of the collection, including that great model of the Vasa I spoke about at the beginning of the pod. We were incredibly privileged to be able to explore the workshop and not only meet Stefan, but also work with him on this project. In our behind-the-scenes film, we even give you a peek into Stefan's workshop. The resulting films are spectacular, they're intriguing, inspiring, each one in a different way. Very much hope you enjoy them and will be inspired to visit the Maritime Museum in Stockholm and the knowledgeable and friendly people who run it. It really is a trip that's guaranteed to change the way that you think about Sweden and the Baltic world. Otherwise, please enjoy all of the models that we filmed both last year and this year. And you can find them simply by googling Maritime Innovation in miniature. I should end by saying that this podcast also comes from the Society for Nautical Research, so please do visit snr.org.uk where you can join up. It really doesn't cost very much money. It's a brilliant way not only of learning about the maritime past from the very best in the business, but also of meeting people and being sociable. There really is nothing bad about it at all.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.